It's hour two of the game. Mitch Fortner, David G., Travion Berklin is running the show. Still to come at about 5.30, we'll speak with former K-State wide receiver Curry Sexton. He'll give his thoughts on the Big 12 Championship Saturday. Plus, it was 10 years ago today, the Wildcats beat Texas at the Bill to win their last Big 12 Championship. Still number one song of the day, and Ask Us Anything is coming up. And also a reminder, Powercat Game Day on Saturday starts at 7 a.m., with Coleman back, Derek Young, and myself kick off at 11 from AT&T Stadium in Dallas. I'll be heading out tomorrow morning to get down to Dallas. So also depending on Manhattan Hoops, that kicks off their season tonight. Win or lose will determine if we have a show down in Dallas or not tomorrow. But the champs are in the building. The 6A state champion Manhattan High football team. First time ever a Manhattan Football team finishes with a record of 13-0. They win the state championship this past Saturday against Gardner-Edgerton down in Emporia by the final score of 21-20 in double overtime. And we're now joined in studio by head coach Joe Schartz, nose guard Kalani Patterson, and center Tate Hoover. Tate, actually, I'm going to start with you. Did you hear earlier this morning that you were named the uh, the K-State Credit Union KMA and Student Athlete of the Week? Uh, Yeah, uh, yesterday... One of my friends, like parents, were listening to the radio, and they saw that they were like they saw that I was the K Man Student of the Week, and then they sent it to me, and they were all excited. So then I had to look, and then I read the little spiel and stuff, and I I thought it was pretty cool. Well, a big part of the reason why he earns it, he's a you know senior captain, big leader on this team, homecoming king. I should mention that as well. Uh, but also you know, this team going thirteen and zero and being so great offensively, coach was the ability to run the football. Keenan Sharks, your son, was big in that. Jason Sanchez, uh, DeAndre Auckland, and uh, you know a couple of wide receivers would get involved in that as well. But running for 260 yards a game and 55 touchdowns on the ground, just a dominant performance by the run game this year. Well, and it, it all starts up front and – you know, we had uh, two seniors up there with Tate and, and McCoy at, uh, at center and right guard, and and then the three juniors did did very well. Um, you know, the uh, all league honors came out this uh, today, and uh, you know our offensive line um, was uh, first team or second team. You know, every every single all five of them got uh, honors, and so and they deserve it. Um, very good. Uh, they work well together. Super super kids, and 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 very smart and. And uh, executed well, and and really, um, you know, led led our offense. Kalani Patterson is here with us. How how you weighing at three hundred, right? But what's yes, your sir. height? About six one. So you're uh, you're yes, a big guy, yes, and sir. you were you were pretty dominant this season. Now the nose guard doesn't get all the tackles in the world. It's not easy to get sacks. I can speak from my you know my playing days, of course. But um, speak on the defense's behalf. On what it was like, you got to shut out. You almost had four shutouts this year, just allowing a score in, in, I think, in three games this year. I'm not totally sure on that. But the performance on the defense this year, what can you say about this state championship defense? Well, our defense, I mean, throughout the year, all we preach is being tough, running, getting through the ball, being fast and physical at all times. So that's always what we tried to do throughout the games and throughout practice as, you know, if you the way you practice, it's going to come out in the game. So we would always put the work in on practice, and then our scout team would always give us a good look going into the game. So when we went into the games, we would always be ready to perform and be there ready to play. And our defense is, I mean, we've been playing together, most of us, most of the guys on this team, all of us have played together for a very long time. So we're all in unison and all ready to play when it comes down to it. 
Centennial League champions uh, going perfect in the season, of course. Now, of course, it's been cut down this year, but it's not like you haven't had an easy – you've had a tough schedule, right? And you had to beat two teams twice, and one of them I think is going to be a real strong contender for the championship next year, and that's Wichita Northwest and how good they are offensively. But how big is a coach to beat not only them twice, but also Dylan Edwards in Derby twice, and the, the second win gets you to the state championship? That's – I mean, you talk about K State trying to beat TCU for the second or beat them for the first time. It's not easy beating a team twice. No, it's not, and you know, it's uh, it's no secret that uh, um, you know that victory in the first week uh, down at Derby uh, gave us confidence. Um, these kids have been talking about you know winning a state championship and 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 getting things done since they were in in elementary school, and we've been dreaming about it, but. Uh, uh, and we worked awful hard in the off season, um, breaking down every day about beating Derby, beating Derby, and uh, we went down there and 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 got that victory, and uh, that just catapulted us uh, to the rest of the season and gave us that that confidence. But then, you know, to, in substate to to face Derby again uh, uh, um, is very difficult task, and uh, um, you know they they gave us a run for their money, and and uh, uh, but our kids just kept fighting and and. Uh, uh, very proud of of their effort to get the job done. Yeah, I think it was the first time in eight years Derby did not play for a six A state championship. So, coach, was there a moment or was there a game that 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 it, it, it cemented in your mind that you know you knew that this team, all right, this team is legit. I knew we had the talent coming in, but we could run the table. We could go all the way this year. Well, you know, just like I said, after that first game, you knew, and the kids had the confidence, and we knew that. I mean, after beating the, um, you know, the the best in the state, um, uh, we knew that we could get it done. We knew we had a long way to go. Um, and as a coach, you don't ever want to let these kids know that uh, uh, you think that you've made it. And uh, so, but the coaching staff did a good job all year long of staying after them and and keeping them challenged and and. and Helping them to uh, get better week after week, and there's no doubt that we improved as the season went along. And uh, for the most part, until we got uh, towards the end of the season, we we were able to stay healthy, and um, um, that was a big part of it. We had we had a lot of depth. Um, um, this is the first year that I um, shared carries with running backs, and and there's no doubt that uh, those two guys uh, benefited from it, uh, and that and they it worked worked really well and. And uh, so, just um, you know that that first that first victory against Derby was great. And then, um, you know, one of the things I want to point out is is we fell behind in six games, <laughs> and uh, we fought back. And these kids just had uh, an unbreakable will to win. And um, whenever they had the opportunity to perhaps get frustrated or hang their heads, they didn't. And uh, they just kept going out on the field and making plays. And how many of the 13 teams were ranked in the top five this nine, season? Nine of the 13 were um, top five teams when we played them. Tate, you gave me a shocked look. Did you not know that? Uh, no, I thought it was like five. I didn't think it was that high. Well, we Northwest twice and Derby twice. But, yeah, they were, they were still in the top five when we played them both times. So, yeah. Well, let's jump to the, uh, the state championship game. So, um, of, of course, the game ended in double overtime. We'll get to the, the last play in just a moment because I definitely want to talk about that last play because that decided the game, of course. But, you know, Tate, this, that defense of, of Gardner-Edgerton, was that one of the fastest defenses, maybe the fastest you guys have seen this year? Uh, I'd say 
I'd say yeah, they were they were really physical and really fast. They they went they swarmed to the ball really well, and they were really big as well. It's hard to block them, so they had backers that are like probably bigger than me, and I'm an offensive lineman. So just trying to get to the second level and make plays is rough, especially when they're like beating you places. What what was the game plan going into it offensively? I mean, it did. It was kind of just like the same as the rest of the year. If we can cement like the run game, then we could have chances outside on the edges. And then we knew that they had some coverage issues. They like they'd have some holes at, here and there. So we were going to try and pick some plays and just beat them wherever we can. Now, so the last, so Manhattan scores in the second overtime after both teams don't score in the first overtime, and uh, that was on a fourth down play. And you know, shout out to the offensive line and and also Keenan and and Jason Sanchez for for getting that touchdown on that pitch. On, on what was it, fourth and two, coach, to yes. convert, um, get the touchdown, and then defense has to make a stop. Well, third down, they score. They're going to go for it on two-point conversion. Coach, I mean, did you see that coming, that win Derby, or not Derby, but Gardner-Edgerton, when they had the shot to win the ball game that they would try to go for two to end it? Well, I, I went down to Coach O'Neill before we started the, the first overtime, and and um, I, w- I was happy we won the flip in the first overtime. We got to go second to see what we needed to do, and that's that's uh, pretty common. But uh, I went to him before we even started the first overtime and said, uh, you know, when they go second, uh, they're going to go for two and, and the win. So we just got to be aware of that. And, uh, you know, that's running that flex bone and, and uh, you know, um, uh, that's that's their mo and and they they feel like they can get three yards anytime and and uh so we knew we were going to go for it and and uh so we after we scored uh, had a decision to make about uh whether we were going to go for two uh knowing that they were going to go for two but uh, uh i decided to kick the extra point we've told these kids all year long that um you know there's no need to hang your head or pout or anything about it as long as you're on the field and there's time on the clock um uh, there's a play to be made and our defense was playing so well and has played so well all season long that uh, uh, I chose to kick the extra point and and let those guys play one more play and and uh, you know it worked out they made that one play and stopped that two-point conversion and and we're state champs. Kalani you're on the field for that last play. Yes sir. Did you have any idea what, what, what they decided to go with a toss to the left to their mm-hmm. right wing back mm-hmm. um, and that was it was kind of a similar play, right, that they tried to pull off on a fourth down on the first overtime, and it didn't work, stopped them easily. But in the second overtime, when they went for it to try to win the game, what did you think was heading your way? Well, to be honest, the first my first reaction, I mean, Gardner Edgerton, I mean, the whole game just running the ball constantly up the middle, counter. I mean, the whole game, it was just they're trying to get it right through us and being fast and physical. So... Me being down by the goal line, of course, as a nose, I was thinking it was going to be more of like a run play kind of counter up the middle. I did not expect all the way sweep to the outside. So it, it just kind of hit me, and everybody had to kind of readjust. We had some guys that were at the, like at the beginning of the play before the ball was snapped. We were trying to get in positions, rushing around, scrambling. So it was very unexpected, but as you can see, we handled it pretty good with the outcome. Coach, I'll be honest with you. When I was calling the play, it was kind of a blur. I was just kind of watching the referee, the pylon. There was like a, a bit of a second effort uh, by the running back to try to get to the end zone. But uh, I mean, maybe you could break it down a little bit further for me uh, because I, I just I, I couldn't tell you who made the stop. So I'll let you shout them out right now. Who was a big part of making that final stop? Well, for, first and foremost is um, Dante Walters out on the edge uh, and, and setting that edge. Uh, 
Um, you know, the, the whole game was a, a lot of, of perimeter and, and, uh, and, and the corners were very heavily involved in, in stopping that run game. And Dante's a physical kid and he stepped up and, and took it on. And, um, you know, he, I asked him after the game and he, he admitted he, he didn't even see it. He was just in there fighting and trying to hold that edge. And, and so he, he set that edge. And then, uh, I think, um, Ian McNabb and, and Max Standard um, were were in pursuit and and got there and and helped uh, push him out of bounds and um, I think one of their players, their t- big tight end, uh, saw that he was going to be a little bit short and he tried to grab him and his running back and throw him into the end zone and he actually helped kind of push him out of bounds and uh, I had a very good uh, view from it from from our sideline clear across the field and. Uh, it really wasn't close. It, it, it was no doubt that he was out short, and so um, once everybody saw that, uh, uh, pandemonium was on. I noticed, uh, you know, after the game, obviously, you know, Manhattan fans are going nuts. The team kind of meets at the twenty-five yard line, and it just it was the celebration was on after the stop was made. Um, I guess we'll go to Tate next. What was the better celebration on the field or in the locker room when you, it was just you guys with the trophy? Uh, I'd say like that very first moment of running out into the field after like he blew, the referee blew the whistle. I'd say that was probably the best uh, moment, I guess, with the celebration. But nothing beats the right over left, heads down in the locker room after you know you won, and the state championship trophy's just sitting there on the floor, and you just gotta take like five, ten seconds, put your head down, just think about it, just think that you just won the state championship. So usually this gentleman right over here is sitting where you sit, Tate. So this is David G. He played for Manhattan High. He was on the offensive line in 2000 and 2001 when the team made its last two trips to the state championship, and he didn't get there. Unfortunately, they didn't win it. So Kalani, would you mind telling you know, David G. what it's like to win a 6A state championship? Oh, man, it is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Uh, <laughs> you, can <laughs> you can only live this moment one time, and – just being with the people um, who I was with on the team. I mean, I've been playing with these guys for so long, as I already said earlier in the interview, and it, it was just a moment that I'll never forget in my life. Yeah, congratulations to you guys, really. I mean, like going my junior and senior year, I know the commitment that it takes and how how long the season goes. And you guys even played an extra game longer yes. than I had to back in my day. Uh, Hoover's dad is a couple years older than I am, and back when he played, he was a stud. Don't tell him I said that, mm-hmm. but he, he was really good. But we didn't. We only played uh, three games total to get to the state. So you guys even longer. I did have a question. Um, how hard was it, or was it hard, the adjustment playing Saturday? Because you go every day, every year. You're Friday night, Friday night, Friday night, and then the biggest game of your life. Hey, it's Saturday at noon or whatever. Was that an adjustment, or were you like, "Hey, just like any other game"? Uh, well, for us, throughout the week, uh, our game plan was so we would have kind of practices in the morning and stuff. Wake up kind of early, get used to the atmosphere of waking up early, and we already played there at the stadium, so we already know what the atmosphere was going to be like going into the game. So, throughout the week, we would just prepare, waking up early, being on time to practice, you know, eating right and getting everything right for when it comes down to game time so we're fully prepared. It was, you know, that was an um, emphasis of the coaching staff to get those kids ready to play football at a different time of the day. And uh, it was very nice that uh, the, the Thanksgiving break now has been extended. And, um, you know, the coaches and teachers had professional development on Monday. So we went regular time on Monday. 
But, uh, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, we got the kids up early. Uh, we had, uh, you know, went and lifted weights and, and then uh, had practice from, from 10 to 1230 and uh, got them used to, to playing football during that time of day. Uh, one of the other things that I was worried about is, you know, just Thanksgiving and, and uh, perhaps, you know, some kids needing to, to go you know, spend time with family in other states or whatever. And uh, it just kind of goes to show the, the commitment from these kids, not a, not a single kid missed practice. And uh, the sacrifice that the parents made and the families made is, is just unreal. And, uh, but um, that's the type of commitment it takes to, to uh, achieve this goal. All right, so Tayton Kalani, tell me about what it's like to practice with this guy day after day. Does he throw out a, like a lot of common phrases that you get used to and you can easily repeat them? They're easily quotable for the rest uh, of your life? Yeah, I'd say so. We, we got a couple of few phrases that he puts out every single day. I mean, we got the uh, 1-0, and we got uh, DMGB, Hard Work Works, uh, We Not Me, kind of like all of our pillars we really have at Manhattan High. We just every single day constantly is that about right coach yeah it is you know you just have to have that consistent messaging and uh you know and and and, and it served us well this this year um, because we we faced a lot of adversity and um you know one of the other things that we talked a lot about uh this year was uh, no fear just believe no fear just believe just keep fighting and uh you know, when adversity strikes, you just got to have that faith and, and, and keep go, keep going. Wait, 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 wait. You guys are seniors, right? Both. It's time. Let him have it, man. He can't make you run. He can't make you do anything. You, if, you got, if you got a good coach impression, now is the time. Because he's he got no more power over you. And not just Sharts. Yeah. There's other coaches. Uh, normally, like. If we'll have it, we'll be having a good practice. Everything will be going good, and then just like we'll have we'll, the O line will mess up one play, like every here and there. It'll be like, God dang it! Guess we can't run the ball. We just gotta go jumbo every time. <laughs> jumbo every that 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 phrase probably comes out maybe once a day, every uh, every other here and there, just just to get on us to get us motivated, really. Now, Kalani, what I learned back in the day is the nose guard sometimes has to be in charge of the jawing. Now, would you be the talker on the defense, or who would that usually be? Um, yes, I am a big talker uh, <laughs> during the games. I, I mean, I try to keep it more composed because, you know, I'm a captain. I kind of got a lead set by example, so I, I got to keep it composed sometimes. But also, uh, shout-out to Jackson Vikander. Um, he is very good at talking and getting in people's heads during the game, but always keeping it professional and getting down to business when it needs to be handled. All right, we'll finish. I want to ask you about your favorite plays of the year but offensively and defensively it could be a play you guys may or you know I, I guess it's being the center you didn't get to be a lot of uh, you know part of the big highlights at least you didn't get your name announced when touchdowns were scored but uh, Tate do you have a favorite offensive play of the year uh, I'd say probably the uh, the overtime kick against Derby week one just like I guess I didn't really do anything but I was on the field and I was right next to KK the uh, long snapper and just like taking, like I was just shaking, just like being on the field. I was like, oh, we get, we have a chance to win. And so just like I didn't even have to do anything. All I had to do was just take a step in and just base up. So all I was, all I remember was just doing the step in, basing up, and looking up. And that kick was just straight through the uprights. And just to like turn around, everyone just run onto the field was just that was probably my best moment of the year, I guess. Kalani, what about defensively? 
Um, I would say the last game we just played, Gardner Edmonton, um, I caused the center to mess up the snap, and I uh, dived on the ball and got a fumble recovery, and I think it's my only one of the year. So coming out with the last game like that, it was a a pretty good memory, and I always remember it. Coach, did you have a whole bunch of people reaching out to you afterwards, phone calls, texts? Do you have a a favorite one that you received or anything about – uh, just congratulating you well I tell you it's it's just from a, a lot of the former players and and I tell you um, um, this one this one's for everybody that has poured their heart and soul into this program and uh, we've been playing good football here for a long long time it's a great program and um, just how much this you know means to to all of them and 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 for them to to reach out to me and 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 let me know uh, what type of impact that uh, this program has had on their lives, and and how happy they are for us, and and um, you know we're we're happy to represent them uh, in this in this state championship game, and we're happy to represent the the community of Manhattan, and uh, you know I'm just so so uh, blessed and and proud of our uh, coaching staff and and our and our team, our players, they're fantastic people. Well, once again, congratulations. I didn't get the chance to talk to you after the game. I raced back to Manhattan afterwards, but uh, uh, what what an amazing game that was. Absolute nail-biter to the very end, and your team prevails in going 13-0 for the first time in Manhattan High School history. 12-0 was a previous record, and that was the last state championship in 1988, but uh, Tate Hoover, Kalani Patterson, and Coach Joe Schartz, congratulations on the amazing season in the state championship. Thank you very much, and thank you for all the coverage that you've provided us. It, it, it means a lot, and you do a great job. Well, it's absolutely my pleasure, and I can't wait for uh, for next season. So it'll be here before we know it. Congratulations again to the 13-0 and 6A state champion Manhattan High football team. We'll take a break. When we come back on the game, we'll hear from Curry Sexton next. It is the game on KMAN. Just spoke moments ago with Manhattan High head coach Joe Schartz, also players Tate Hoover and Kalani Patterson. But now we jump back to the Cats. An 11 a.m. kickoff Saturday for the Big 12 Championship. First time the Cats playing a Big 12 Championship game since beating number one Oklahoma 35 7 at Arrowhead Stadium in 2003. Jeez. We're now joined by Curry Sexton, former K State wide receiver. Curry, when you see a, a, a wide receiver rushing for two touchdowns, do you get a little jealous? Yes and no. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't a guy that carried the rock a lot in college. Um, but, but I think, you know, as a receiver, you want to score the ball by catching passes. So I can see it both ways, but Malik is dynamic in the run game and always has been. So love to see him being utilized in a number of different ways. Well, the Cats beat the Jayhawks for the 14th consecutive year, 47-27 the final. I'd love to hear what you took away from that game, either positive or negative uh, from either part of the game. Well, I mean, first off, it's always it's always a, a great thing to beat KU. Um, you know, I think this year there was – there was the, the energy was different this year. I think, you know, obviously we knew we're a good team, but, but this is probably the best KU team that we've faced in quite some time. And so I think, you know, I could feel a different energy on the field on Saturday. And I think, you know, really it, it, it was a probably a closer game than what the scoreboard showed. 
I mean, outside of a couple special teams miscues by KU, um, and then and then if, you know the big fumble turnover in the fourth quarter, that you know that was a game that was close, and they had an opportunity to cut it to one possession early on in the fourth quarter. So I think the uh, to some degree KU has closed the gap, which is something that causes me a little bit of concern. But at the end of the, end of the day, uh, you know it's a win. It's a it's a fairly convincing win, and you can never complain about that. Speaking with former K-State wide receiver Curry Sexton, so I don't know if you saw this on social media today, but it was 10 years ago today that the K-State 2012 team beat Texas to win the Big 12 championship. Just love to know if you recall any specific memories from that game, either during the game or after. Oh, a number, a number. I think during the game, I think one of the lasting memories for anybody on that team was was really getting on the press box. Um, I think... Anybody who grew up around K State, you know, probably has has some special memories of Willie being on top of the old Deb Nelson press box, and so that was that was electric. I mean, that was the last game that the Deb Nelson press box, was, you know, stood. Um, it, it it came down right after that game, and so I think Willie getting up there and, and doing the KSU chant with a Big Twelve title on the line was was really special. And then I think you know the just the, the the post-game celebration was just something I'll never forget. Having the opportunity to win a Big 12 championship at home with all of our fans and have them on the field with us was just a really, really special feeling. And I know you were injured, right, for that game? I was, yeah. I had a broken collarbone, but I did. I was able to be down on the sideline with the guys. And uh, and so really got to soak it all in, to be honest with you, just because I, was, I, I wasn't playing and wasn't really focused on the – you know, play in and play out. So I, I think I got to soak up a little bit of that whole day and whole evening more than maybe some of the guys who were out there on the field did. You know, maybe you won't be able then to speak a lot on this next question, but maybe maybe you can. I don't know. I'll just ask you. So that week, you know, preparing for the week, if you're sitting in, in, in meetings or whatever, going to practice and watching practice as the team practice and as you're injured, but when do the nerves start to set in when you know this is a gigantic game, the biggest game in your lives? You know, as I recall, there weren't, there weren't a ton of nerves for that Texas game. You know, we had just, we had essentially lost everything, and I know that's a little, a little hyperbolic, but we had just lost everything right before that by losing to Baylor on the road. And I think we all knew, I mean, there was, there was no doubt on that football team that after we lost to Baylor that we were going to go home and beat Texas. Um, we we knew we were better. We, I bet we were a better team than them. That was a Texas team that was, you know, down in some respects. And so I I don't remember sensing a lot of nervousness. I just remember feeling like, okay, we're going to win this football game, no questions asked. And then Nigel Malone has the interception that should have been a big six early on. And to me, that was that was kind of it. I mean, it, we we knew that okay, yeah, we are going to win this football game. So I don't remember sensing a ton of nervousness that game. Where do you keep your Big 12 championship ring? You know, honestly, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think all of my bull rings are in an old dresser drawer at my parents' house. But you're not quite sure? I am not quite sure, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I am not a big ring guy, and so I, 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 I'm pretty sure all of my rings are in my old dresser drawer at my parents' house, but I don't know to be certain. 
Did, did, you, did your parents keep your room the same as if you were you were still living there? No, they don't. My mom is not that type of person. She, we do have a closet. My brother and I have stuffed one of their closets full of old, old you know, gear and apparel and things of that nature. But she has, she has. Uh, our rooms look nothing like we still live there, and I and I, I respect that. I would not want to go home to a room that hasn't changed in in a decade or more. I'm not going to lie. I went back to my parents' house over Thanksgiving, and I look under my old bed, and there's still a box of PlayStation 2 games under <laughs> there. So it's changed a little bit. Some turkeys that I shot still up there on the wall. But uh, anyway, all right. Curry, Big 12 Championship is Saturday against TCU. What are your uh, – I guess playing TCU the second time around, I feel like they're actually a little bit better than they were defensively. I think the Texas game was evidence of that. But um, – I know. How do you how do you feel about this game heading into Arlington? You know, I, I feel pretty good. I think TCU is a tough matchup, both both offensively and defensively. Obviously, Max Duggan is one of the best players in the country, and, and has a you know has a unique skill set. I think he's a guy that you, you know if you let him sit back and, and 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 have some you know time in the pocket, he can really do some good things. And so um, you know he presents you know he presents a tough matchup, and then. If, if you get a healthy Kenray Miller and a healthy Quentin Johnston, then you know those those are that is one of the best trios as far as you know quarterback, running back, receiver positions go in the country, and that that you know that presents a tough matchup for any defense. So I think you know I you know there, you know got to be cautious about our expectations on defense because this is a really really good offense as they, as they have shown in almost every game. Um, I do think they're banged up a little bit, which may work to our favor. And and you know, to be frank, we we played our defense played them pretty well the first game, despite a bunch of key you know key injuries. You think about the long touchdown pass to Quentin Johnston, where where Julius Brent pulled up with an apparent hamstring issue. It seems like we have a healthy Julius Brent. We didn't have a healthy Josh Hayes in that game, which is we've seen is very very important. And it seems like we have a healthy Josh Hayes. So feeling good. I mean, obviously the key is to you know to, to stay healthy. Um, you know, both leading up to and throughout the game. I think if we can, you know, if we can keep Will healthy, at, you know, at the quarterback position, I think that's huge, and and, and may be the deciding factor in the game. But ultimately, feel really sorry about that. That's so ultimately, good. Feel really good about it. Um, but but you know, as we as we saw last you know last month, this is a really tough really tough football team, and we're going to have to play our best game to win. Will you be making the trip? Unfortunately, I will not be down there. My wife is going on a bachelorette party to Savannah, Georgia, so I am on solo dad duty this weekend. Ooh. I've never been to Savannah, Georgia. I hear it's uh, pretty haunted. That's that's about all I, I know. Is it really? Okay, well, I'll have to tell her that. She'll love that. How uh, how old? How old is the kiddo? Uh, she will be eight months in about a week. <laughs> Yeah, so I have a year and a half old, and I have a one month old. So uh, your hands are gonna be very busy. Eight yes. month old, you dude, you she owes you so big, so big, dude. I I think she's. Uh, I think we're we're we're. I'm still I'm still ahead at this point. So <laughs> I'm, just, I'm trying to even the playing field. Yeah, and that's what you're gonna realize. What you don't know. 
real quick. When you oh, have to yeah. watch the baby by yourself, you're like, oh, wow, she does do a lot around the house. That's crazy. Well, I need to know, what's your, what's your diaper changing skills like? Pretty good, honestly. I mean, it's it's a it's an art form for sure. You you have to one keeping keeping an eight month old still while you change diapers. Oh, oh, I think we lost. Oh, there he is. Are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, we oh, lost you for a second. It's an art form. I think keeping you know keeping a baby down while trying to change their diaper is very difficult. Um, and but but I like my skill set. Savannah George also reminds me of the Office episode where they play the game. Savannah. It's like molasses dripping out of your Uh, mouth. If she doesn't come back with an accent, (laughs) I don't think she did it right. Baby legs are really strong, too. Like You're like, just straighten your leg out, dude. Stop this. And it's crazy how strong they can be. It is. It is remarkable. They They are impressive little humans. That's right. All right, Curry, we'll let you go. Best of luck with dad duty this weekend, and hopefully we're talking about the Cats' victory next week. Agreed, agreed. Well, take care, guys, and good luck. That's Curry Sexton, former K-State wide receiver and uh, solo dad this weekend. All right, when we come back, we'll finish up the show with a little number one song of the day and ask us anything. Oh, DG's having flashbacks to his... To his bartending days. Absolutely. This is what the kids called a bop. A bop. Man, everybody uh, was playing this one. So real quick, uh, before we get to truly div- uh, dive into this number one song of the day, um, so Manhattan Hoops might get a little bit of a late start. It is tournament play. They got a game before them, so we'll just kind of, you know, play it by ear. Troy keeping us up to date. But right now we're aiming at a 6-15 pregame. All right, from 2014... Fancy by Iggy Azalea. Seven weeks at number one. I remember this from when I was running the board for Kid Craddock mm-hmm. on Z. And uh, they would take the thing is, like, on those pop station talk shows, they take like 10 minute breaks. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. So you got to feel with, feel with music, and this came up all the time. Oh, yeah. This was a super hot in the streets and then in the clubs and in uh, kids' cars. Rapper, songwriter, and model from Sydney, Australia. She's from the Down Under. Do that, do that. You know what I always thought? She says half a ticket on her wrist. Like a ticket's like a million bucks. No way you gotta have a ticket on your wrist. You're from Australia. You know, you ain't gotta. Anyway, go ahead. She's got an interesting background. So she actually started rapping at 14. And uh, she kind of put together this like TLC group with two other girls in her neighborhood. But the thing is, she took it very seriously. The others just kind of showed up when they wanted to. She took it so seriously that she disbanded the group and a year later moved the United States to pursue music. Damn. She, dro- she dropped out of high school. Wow. Ended up getting her GED. She went, like, first stop was like Miami and then ended up in Houston and then Atlanta. I mean, long story short, she, by the way, went with her mom. She didn't go by herself. But, uh,. Ended up working with the right people, meeting the right people. T.I. And, uh, yeah, started making that money. Rubber band, man. He he has really been, like, it for her because she was, like, 
talking to all the wrong people, right? Then she gets with T.I., he helps her out. But the thing is, like, she's been on so many radio shows where they're like, hey, go ahead and freestyle. And T.I.'s like, no. <laughs> end of end of interview. Bye. Pull the fire alarm. Somebody do something. She can't rap, but she's got a great look. This song is gr- it's still good to this day, you know. But Trayvon, you got something? We were just talking about. Yeah, we were literally Iggy. just talking about Iggy Azalea <laughs> earlier. Um, I mean, this is just a classic for middle school yeah. for me at the Halloween Boy, dance. Middle school. Yeah, I know Trayvon so young, man. Uh, I was at the I was bartending at the bars as an old guy in the club still- in the club by. Um, 50 Cent was the big middle school hit. That and also Trick Daddy, Let's Go. Remember oh. those at the you know, at the Bill when Warren Prince was the head coach? Yeah. That's what the team would run out to. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, at the age of 16, that's when she starts getting into music in the United States. And then all of a sudden, she's getting all the views on YouTube with some hits in, uh, in the 2010s. She's actually my age. Uh-huh. So when she moved to the United States, we're talking 2005, 2006. Wow. So it took a little while to get going. Yeah. But then she got going. And in 2020, Iggy Azalea was listed as number 50 on Rolling Stones, Australia's 50 greatest artists out of Australia. Did we do this already? No. Did we do the, no, not this song, but did we look up artists from Australia. Yeah, I think we did. And we were time. like, wow. There's a, 50? There's 50? <laughs> Is Sheriff on three. there? Huh? I can only think of three. Uh, ACDC. ACDC. Keith Urban. Keith Urban. Oh, Keith. I didn't know Keith Urban's from Australia. Yeah. Uh, Minute Work. Minute Work. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Minute Work. That's and then it. there was somebody, Ace of Base, right? Ace of Base is Australia? No, they're sw- I think they're Swedish. Oh, God. Oh, here we go. Bands and artists <laughs> from Australia. A savage Garden. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, he had me. Let's see. I, I think I found a list in alphabetical order. Oh, this isn't going to do me any Dude, good. these bands are too whole. Oh. Hold on, because we got to look at this list. This is taking too long to Rick Google Springfield. Here. He really? was cool. Uh, Gautier, Tame Impala. Uh, oh, oh, I like Tame Impala. Tame Impala's dope. I'm surprised I just said that correctly. Yeah. Uh, the Wiggles. Kylie. Uh, King and Travion. Sia, or Sia, Sia. 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 The gal that used to cover her face with a wig. <laughs> big big fan of Survivor, by the way, too. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Olivia Newton-John. Oh, <laughs> right, right. Sia covers her face with a wig. Real big fan of uh, Survivor there. <laughs> I remember her on a uh, on a finale on the reunion. She like donated a whole bunch of money like at the like during the show. I remember her because she's biting off Lady Gaga's look. So I thought oh, this my, gal, my girl Natalie Imbruglia. That's right. Oh, one hit one of my wonder. first one of my first celebrity crushes. Yeah, she was gorgeous. Wow. That's about it. Oh, my God. You know who else is Australian? Let me tell you. Um, the Divines. Uh, Mike Brady. And uh, so is uh, Tanya Doko. So, in excess. Aren't, in, isn't in excess Australian? Or I they, think so. I've, I think I've heard that. I don't care. About that. I'm just not an in excess person. Maybe really? you are. I, you know, well, we had a number one song by then. Yeah. We started going through the discography. I'm like, you know, there's just not that much there for me. It, there wasn't, but you know what was funny? That Troy was real into yeah, in excess. He loves <laughs> in excess, man. 
It's one of those uh, bands he partied to uh, back in those college band parties. Uh, by the way, MTV named this the best song of 2014. All right. What? All right. Also, Weird Al did a, his own cover of this. Uh, it's like a Mr. Fix-It type of song called Handy. I'm so handy. <laughs> Cue that up, Travion. Oh, my God. The best song of 2014. It, yeah. it, it was hot in the streets, and you couldn't uh, get away from it. You couldn't get away from it. Like, it was everywhere. Of best song? Fancy. That's the first song that pops up My here. goodness. I'm looking at the list here. It's not great. Happy was the number one song of 2014. Uh, according to the billboard. billboard charts, yeah. Uh, I would say f- Fancy's better than Happy. Happy's extremely cheesy. Like, oh. They play that at daycares. It's, they do. Yeah. They do. All right. Anyway, Travion, let's go ahead and get to uh, some Ask Us Anything <laughs> in three, two. You didn't wait for one. Hey, guys. Guess what? I want to know. According to a new YouGov poll, uh, 50% of people think you should only use a sick day if you're really sick. In fact, 8% of those people asked said you shouldn't even get a sick day if you have surgery, which uh-huh. I hope I never work for that SOB. What about you? Do you think you should use okay. a sick day for only when you're sick? This is a good question. And hear me out here. I think you should use sick days for being sick. Yeah. And if you were to take a vacation but not go anywhere, you should only use vacation days if you're actually going on vacation. Because using vacation time just for hanging out or doing yard work is lame, is boring. That's what sick days are for. Don't Don't waste the vacation on that. Treat yourself with that vacation time. You know what? That's words. I, I, nobody can say, say better than that. Don't use your sick days for vacation. Use vacation for a real vacation. Yeah, because if you sick days for yeah. your, your staying home. Yeah. I mean, that, first of all, it's way easier to get away with it. No if doubt. you're going to try to go places on sick days, you're yeah. asking for trouble. Wow. There are eyeballs out there. What about you, Trey Beyond? Well, I neither have sick days or um, yeah. paid vacation, so I can't relate to any of this. Get on my level, dog. Uh, would you rather go on a cruise with your boss only or never go on a vacation ever again? This is easy. Yeah, easy. For us. And that would be never take a vacation again. I, oh, my God. I, I couldn't. I, I tried it once with Cadillac. Old Cadillac. Yeah. Um, Dude. But unfortunately, that Cadillac's just been sitting in the yard too it's long. Got f- it's got four Boy. flats is yeah. what it's got. No, he would be fun. He would, would be, be so much fun. Well, I, the, when I met him was on the trip to the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. And so when we got to know each other, we both found out we're, we're wrestling guys. Yeah. Bonded. Yeah. Now I'd be perfectly fine with that. He'd be cool. Travion, what about your boss um, or the other place that you work? Uh, would you go on a vacation with only them? I, I could deal with it, probably. Really? I could deal with it, yeah. Because I want to be able to travel more afterwards, yeah. so I, I think I could deal with it. Yeah, you're like, hey, Travion, you want to go to Las Vegas? I can't. Sorry. I can't. Am I allowed to bring oh, anybody else? Owen Burks no. in studio. What do you think, Owen? Give us a... Uh, yeah, put him on mic real quick. Let's get an answer from Owen. Let's get him on the show. He's an yeah, AEW I mean, guy, by uh, the way. I think I would have to, because I can't sacrifice vacation for the rest of my life. Right? Forever. I'm gonna, it's, it might be a miserable week, but I think <laughs> I could do it. <laughs> by the way, Owen, who's the best wrestler in AEW right now? Who's the best wrestler in AEW right yes. now? Yes. That's Uh-oh. a tough question. He's putting on the headphones. He's uh, getting ready to... Okay, um, okay. Man, I'm a big MJF guy. There you, you know go. Me. That's right. MJF, I, man. It's got to be the only answer right Hot. Now. Hot, hot, hot right now. The best heel in the business. It's yeah. He's like 2014's uh, hit 
fancy. He is hot in them streets right <laughs> that now. That he is. <laughs> that he is. The best thing about him, like, he's actually, like, really a jerk. Like, he lives the gimmick in real life. And that's the way to do it. It's refreshing. That's how you get heat. (laughs) It is. Not everybody can do it anymore, and he does. Owen, you're cool, man. K-Fabe is real life to him. All right. Well, guys, again, depending on high school basketball tonight, will tell us. And also, we got to, you know, iron out a few other things. If we're even going to have a show tomorrow, I guess we'll find out. But still coming up later this hour, we're going to go to Manhattan High Basketball from the Hayes City Shootout. Troy Coverdale will have the call of both teams tipping off their seasons tonight. For Owen, Trey, Deej, I'm Mitch. Go Cats.